Then I thought about, well, I'll, I'll tell it this evening. And uh, it, it was a story that I ran across about a mother, and she had two children, a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. And she was so proud of the children because they had bought her a Mother's Day present with their own money. And she was so proud of those children. And, and the, it was a flower. It was a flower in a flower vase. And, and it was so beautiful. And she was so bragging on them. They said, Mama, there was, there was another flower at the flower store we wanted you to have. It, it, was, it was more expensive, though. We didn't have enough money, the six-year-old said. It even had a ribbon on it that said, Rest in Peace. Knowing that you want some rest and peace, we thought that would be great, but we didn't have enough money, Mama. I'm glad my mama's here this morning. I was standing in line the other day while I was standing in the card aisle at Kroger. You know how you stand? And everybody else is standing at the card aisle in Kroger too. And we're all looking at the same section. It's the Mother's Day section. And you know, you're looking for your, my wife and my mama card. And, and I just had this thought and I said it out loud and everybody in the card section laughed. I said, you know, we need a southern card. We need one that says, Happy Mama's Day. Because there's not one. It's mom or mother, but it's not Mama's Day. I don't call mine mother. I don't call my mom mom. I call her mama. So I'm glad my mama is here today. Uh, we had a wonderful uh, time uh, with, with Dana today and her mother, and I'm glad my mother is here uh, this evening. And I, and I hope that you got to spend time with your mother or call your mother. And I know I'm very, mind, very mindful of the fact uh, uh, I've preached some of your mother's funerals. And I'm very mindful of the fact that, that some of you don't have a mother. And, and, and uh, I hope you understand that you have a God, though. And we talked about Him this morning. A God that loves you very much and will never leave you and never forsake you if, if you'll put Him first. So I hope you understand that. I hope you understand that, that you, are, you are loved. You are loved, even though your mother, your mother may be gone. Um, the Romans were very hard on people in the days of Jesus. They wanted control. They wanted order. And they thought of brutal ways to do that. I'll come back to that in a minute. John the baptizer here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days John the baptizer came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When John called for men to repent, I don't think that he whispered it. I don't think that he whispered it. A man who would wear camel hair and eat locusts, I don't think he had a whispering bone in his body. I think, I think if John had something to say, he said it. And when John, somebody like John the baptizer said it, he meant it. And when he said repent, well, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. John, John didn't mess around. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, it says, But when he, John, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. It is this New Testament command, this New Testament command that we examine Tonight, for in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, truly these times of ignorance 
God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. To repent is to turn away, to change, if you will. Lives. Change your lives. Change your willpower. Change your, your motives. Change your eternal destiny to repent. Repentance. Repentance is begun and formed in, as we'll see tonight, in godly sorrow. And it's the result of a reforming of life. Repentance is so awesome. Just turn it off, Timothy. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll just turn it off for tonight. Repentance is so awesome. I don't want you to lose focus of this. Repentance is so awesome that even heaven rejoices every time someone repents. Every time someone repents, heaven rejoices. That's amazing. That if tonight, if tonight one of you, one of you in the audience decided to repent, not only would we rejoice as a congregation, Not only would those outside this congregation who heard of your repentance, would they rejoice, but heaven would rejoice. It goes that far. It goes that deep. To repent is an action verb. It's something that you do. Repentance is something that you do. It's an action verb. And it's it's essential. It's essential to follow for it is part of the process. It's, it's part of the plan of, of God's saving grace. It's part of the plan of God's salvation. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. The plan to save mankind. Just like one can't be saved without being baptized, one cannot be saved without repenting. If you don't repent and you're baptized, well, you're just getting wet. You're just getting wet. You cannot be saved without repenting. It just can't happen. Billy Joe and I were talking in the foyer just just before we came in today. I mean, if you look back through the Bible, is God forgiven anything without man repenting? No. Repentance comes before forgiveness. We are, as we read in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, commanded... To repent, for repentance to be proclaimed is one of the reasons that Jesus died. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Luke chapter 24, verse 46. It says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at 
Jerusalem. And you know what? We, we follow along. We follow over into Acts chapters 1 and chapters 2 and we see that what, what was supposed to happen happened. That repentance and baptism for the remission of sins was, was preached by Peter. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Changing your life from, from good to bad. Changing your life. Repenting. It sounds easy. It sounds easy. I'm just going to stop being a bad person and I'm going to be a good person. Man, that sounds simple. But as we see through history, as we see through, if you could even look at your own history, if I could just look at my history, if if we could just look at the history of, of, of the Bible, we see that's not an easy thing to do. Change from good to bad. Sounds easy, but it's not. Everyone during the days of Noah was corrupt. Everyone. Except for Noah and his family. And Noah, he built a boat on dry land and was directed by God to put animals on the ark because God was going to flood the earth with water. He was going to kill everything. He was going to start all over again. But you know what? No one was saved but Noah and his family. No one would repent. All that time he built the ark, nobody repented. No one else was worthy. That's amazing. Abraham, he asked. He asked for it, but ten extra people, just ten extra people could not be found in Sodom and Gomorrah. People just don't want to change. Isn't that it, really? People just, people really do. I mean, my father's here and he had a, he had a brother who said, people really do what they want to do. People just don't want to change, do they? They don't want, they don't want to be inconvenienced. And for some, Jesus is an inconvenience. I heard one fellow say, Jesus is the inconvenient truth. Time and time again, John the Baptizer and his cousin Jesus, they tried to get people to repent. Peter preached it. Paul wrote letters. Repent. I say this with all humility and with all love in my heart. Hear me now. I say this with all humility and with all the love in my heart. I have been here this past March for the past five years preaching to y'all the truth. And there are some of you still here who won't repent. That's not bragging. It's just, it's just confidence that the truth has been preached, the elders want you to know it, they feed it to you every which way they can, and still, some of you won't. Can't dynamite you out of your seat. And I know when you know, the truth 
I know that you know the truth. I've preached it. Opportunities have passed you by like a spectator at Talladega. You're commanded to change. It's not a suggestion. This is a command of God. That's what we're studying these, these Wednesday nights. New Testament commands. And this is one of the big ones, guys. The New Testament command of God to repent. To change your life. To change your will. To change your, your, your destiny. To change your family tree. Even. Repentance is a change of life. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 in verse 8, we read in, in verse 8 that we're to bear fruit worthy of repentance, it says. And, and, and after this instruction, John gives example. He gives example to, I'm sure, his audience who was familiar with the examples, familiar with, with the examples that he gives good and bad plants. The unproductive plants, the bad plants, they're, they're to be cut down, is, is his analogy. They're to be cut down and they're to be thrown into the fire. And when, when asked what repentance-worthy fruits were by the people, in, in verse 11, he, J- John said, If you have two tunics, give one to someone who does not have any. The same with food, he says. If you have some food and some somebody else doesn't have food, give them some food. That's That's... Works worthy of repentance. That's fruit worthy of repentance. The tax collectors, they ask, what about us? John says, collect, collect no more than what you're supposed to. That was a, a fruit for them worthy of repentance. The soldiers, in verse 14, they asked the same thing. They, they were told that their fruit could not be to intimidate anybody, to, to, to not be a false accuser, to be content with their wages. What's your fruit? What's your fruit? How could you show that you have repented? Stop smoking? Stop drinking? Stop complaining? Stop gossiping? Stop dressing like the world does? What you told. Stop talking like the world does. Stop going there. Stop calling them. What is it? What what is it? What is the fruit that you could give that would be worthy of repentance? Repentance is a change of life. But it's, it's also a change of the wheel. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Verse 28, Jesus tells the short parable of, of the two sons. A man had, had two sons, he says. And he, he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. Now when I was a boy, my daddy would have whooped me for that answer. He's here today. He would attest to that fact. He must have been older. I still wouldn't tell my daddy I will not. I turned 45 in July. I wouldn't tell him I will not. I put a sir on the end of it. 
He must have been older. It's my reasoning. Look what the Scripture says. But afterward, look what it says. Afterward, he regretted it and went. He had a change of will. If you want to change your life, change your will. Like the song says, if you want to change your life, change your mind. You've heard that song before, right? If you want to change your life, change your will, change your mind. Nobody can do that for you but you, right? Nobody can do that for you but you. Repentance, we've, we've been commanded to do so. And if you're like me on a regular basis, <laughs> on a regular basis, you know, we change the oil in the car. We change the milk in the refrigerator. We don't let that go too long, do we? We need to change our life. We need to change our mind. We need to change our will. But it won't last, will it? It won't last. Because most of us, if we do change, it's, it's for change's sake most of the time. Or to save face. It's not true sorrow for living a life and having a mind that you have to repent of. True repentance is filled with, with godly sorrow. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Look what, look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8. Paul said, the letter I wrote to you, if, if it made you sorry, I don't regret it. It, it. it only made you sorry for a little while. Have you noticed that, you know, when that pain of guilt comes along, that pain of guilt comes along, it's only for a little while. When the trouble's over and the dust is settled and, and you're back on top, repentance, a changing of the will and a changing of the mind, that's the furthest thing from your mind, isn't it? Paul says in verse 9, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. This verse 10 is the type of sorrow that produces repentance leading to sal salvation. This is not regret alone and it's not to be regretted when you repent of that don't regret it whatever it is whatever is your fruit worthy of repentance whatever that is don't regret doing it because you're following Jesus' command you're, you're doing what God wants you to do repenting it manifests themselves in action The fruits of repentance, they manifest themselves in a noticeable action. Paul told Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verse 19, that I, I was not disobedient, but I told the Jews and the Gentiles to repent. I told them to turn to God, to do the works befitting repentance. They had to do something. That's what Paul told them to do. In Acts chapter 19, verse 19, the sorcerers... When they found out that they were wrong, they, 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 they didn't keep their sorcery books. They burned them. That was their fruit worthy of repentance. Burning, burning their sorcery books. In Acts chapter 16, verse 33, the, the jailer, he washed the wounds of the disciples in repentance. And then he was baptized. A repentant person performs deeds appropriate to repentance. What is it that you need to repent of? How can you show it?
how can you show it? Maybe it's by realizing you're a sinner and that you're ready to get into Christ. Maybe it's saying, I've left my first love and I'm ready to come home. This change is brought about by godly sorrow, but turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 3. It's also brought about by this. Romans chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, you judge people and you do the same thing. You judge people and you do the same thing. And don't think you'll escape God's judgment. And then he says in verse 4, Or do you you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God's goodness, His patience, His loving kindness, He's waiting for you, giving you time to repent. Oh, how good our God is! How good is our God? We talked about this morning how how good God is to us. He's waiting maybe on you. Maybe He's waiting on you. Or or you. Or you. The Lord wants all men everywhere to be saved. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Osamas and your mamas. There will be a time when you will not be able to repent of your sins. Luke chapter 16 verse 31 tells us of Lazarus, the beggar, and the rich man. Nothing could be done for the rich man after he died. Even even Lazarus could not be sent back to tell the tormented man's brothers about what was going on. To warn them. We have a warning here in the New Testament. We have a warning that we must tell others of. This this New Testament command to repent. And we must continually repent ourselves. God, God doesn't want any to perish. God wants all to come to repentance. Now, some think I'm, I'm a hard preacher. Some think I'm hard. My Lord was hard at times. Allow me to plagiarize Jesus and insert places that you know into His mouth. If you would, please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Jesus begins to rebuke the cities in which most of His mighty works had been done. Jesus rebuked them because they did not repent. The Lord's church is represented in every city in this county. His truth is taught and and many Christians and non-Christians just like you hear His truth every week. Sometimes more than once. Woe to you, Gallatin. Woe to you, Portland. For if the preaching were done in you, which were done in you, were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, fountainhead, who were exalted in heaven, will be brought down to Hades, for if the preaching done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Is that bringing home? Is that bringing home? But what I love about Jesus, especially here, is, is, is that He gives the hard, but He gives the way out too. He, he doesn't leave you hanging. He, he, he gives you the way out. Yes, yes He's hard. He's hard on us at times. We talked about God this morning. We, we talked about God being the God of love, but also, God is also the God of vengeance. Verse 25, He, 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 he prays, I, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Jesus said, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And then he says this. And this is probably one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, God's way is the easiest way. God's way is the easiest way. I talked about, you know, how John, he preached in this Roman world and how, how hard the Romans were on the people. I found this, I ran across this. The Romans sometimes compelled a captive to be joined face to face with a dead body and to bear it about until the horrible, decaying body destroyed the life of the living victim. Virgil, he, he was a poet and a historian. He, des, he describes this cruel punishment. He says, The living and the dead at his command were coupled face to face and hand to hand till choked with stench and loathed embraces tied, the lingering wretches pined away and died. Without Jesus Christ, you're shackled to a dead corpse too. You. And if you don't repent, if you don't get rid of that dead weight, you will die in your sins if you don't repent. Are you tired of doing things your way? A man told me that, a wise man told me that one time a long time ago. My mama knows who he is. Are you tired of doing things your way? Repent and do things His way. Are you tired of living in ignorance and, and you want to obey the truth? Well, guess what? You can. You can. Change your willpower. Change your mind. Change your life. Change your eternal destiny. Follow God's plan.
to save. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Obey the New Testament command to repent right now as together we stand and sing.